Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This ain't my first rodeo, folks. I've preached to thousands, and I've preached less than 10 for two weeks. So this ain't my first rodeo. All right? Amen. Job chapter number 30. I was just going to read one verse. I thought I was kind of tolling back and forth in my mind this morning how many verses to read, and they know that up there. So I think I'll just go on and read starting with verse number 20 of Job chapter number 30. The Bible says, this is Job here crying out unto the Lord. He said, I cried unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me with thy strong hand. Thou oppose thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind. Thou causest me to ride upon it and dissolvest my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Howbeit, he will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though they cry in his destruction. Job says, did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My title this morning may seem very just ominous and it's just depressing, but just hear me out today. I want to minister this morning this, there came darkness. Amen. Anybody ever just been there? Looked for light and then it was just darkness. Looked for the good, but it was just darkness. There came darkness. That's what I'm preaching to you today. Lord, I come to you this morning. I pray, oh God, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, in this service this morning. God, I place my dependency, Father, upon you, my trust and my confidence, Lord, in you. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, because it's in you that we live and move and have our being. God, what happens in the next few moments are not predicated, Lord, upon necessarily who's here, who's not here. It's all on you, Lord. God, and I lean upon those everlasting arms right now in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you were to read the whole book of Job or even this solitary chapter this morning, I would believe even most of us to some degree are acquainted with the troubles and the tragedies of Job. You know his story, but please bear with me as we just rehearse just a few things that his life had faced. He was a man that seemingly lost everything that he had in a single day. After one bad report came on the heels of that one, another bad report would come. Eventually, according to the book of Job, both his health and his wealth were severely attacked or severely lost in some sort of way. 
those who came to offer their help and even sat down for seven days in silence with Job were really adding insult to injury. They were adding to his pain. Every event, and according, this is just to the chapter that right here in chapter number 30, every event, according to Job, was deepening his calamity. There was nothing coming alone to lighten the load. There was nothing coming alone uh, to be a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. He says that terrors turned upon him. The, the terror of night, the terror of day, just the terrors of life were turning upon him. He said that his welfare was passing away like a cloud, like, like a cloud that you see in the sky that's moved along by the wind or it, it becomes smaller and smaller and it breaks up in its parts. He says, my welfare, the welfare of my life was passing away like a cloud. He said, the days of my affliction took hold of me. You know, you afflicted for a day or two, but when it turns into days, the plurality, he said, the days of my affliction took hold of me. He said, I felt as though I had been cast into the mire, if, if you will. I feel like I'd just been thrown in the mud. I feel like I'd just been cast down and, and that I've been pulverized by my circumstances. This is all in chapter 30. You can read it. I feel like I've been pulverized by my circumstances to, to little minute pieces of dust and ash. You know how ash is. You, you can't really count the ash. It just kind of smears on your head. And he said, I've been pulverized to dust and to ashes. And he even began to pose some difficult questions unto the Lord. Uh, because when you get into the, 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 the vice of difficulty, it's time to ask God some difficult questions because we want to know what's going on and what's taking place. And so he poses some difficult questions toward God because he even felt in himself. He says, God, I feel like I'm dying here. I feel like I'm dying here. This, this is stuff that's akin to the grave right here. And so I've got some hard questions for you. He said, this is what Job said in chapter 30. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm a brother, he says, to dragons. What in the world are you talking about? A brother to dragons? Yeah, I'm a brother to dragons. Why are you saying that, Job? Because we all know that dragons really don't exist. And he says, I'm akin to him because right now I don't feel like I exist in your sight, God. I, I don't feel like I have a place of a voice right now. He said, I'm a brother to dragons and, and I'm a companion to owls. Joe, you, you're speaking all metaphorically right here. What are you talking about? A companion to owls. He says, I feel like I'm a companion to owls because primarily an owl is an animal that's nocturnal. It's an animal of darkness. It's an animal that mostly operates in the dark by itself. You don't usually see a flock of owls. Now you see a solitary owl on a branch in the dark. And he said, God, I feel like a companion of an owl. I'm, I'm in this dark time. I'm alone and everything is just not going my way. This seems to be my lot of life right now. As a matter of fact, at one point in time, Job said, he said, I, all of this happening, he said, this feels like my night season. It feels like my night season. I, I'm grieving and I'm mourning. He states it like this. I'm mourning without the sun. He said, I'm grieving and I'm mourning in the darkness. I'm seeking for good as the last verse that we read. He said, but I'm finding evil. He says, I'm looking for the light. He said, but all there was was that darkness came unto me. Can someone say amen? In Job 7 and 4, this is what he says in his life. He said, when I lie down, he says, I say, when shall I arise? And the night be gone. I am full of tossings, 
Amen. To and fro until the dawning of the day. Job saying, it's dark, it's a night season, and when I close my eyes, I'm hoping that daylight is there. When I close my eyes and I reopen them, I'm hoping that morning is coming. It's a dawning of a new day. God, I just want to know, when is this going to be over? God, I just want to know, when is this going to end? When is the night season going to be done? When is the night going to turn into day? When shall I arise and the night be gone? Have you ever had, ladies and gentlemen, have you ever had a night that you thought would never end? Have you ever had a moment that you thought would never dissolve? Have you ever awakened almost, amen, every hour on the hour during a night season, amen, and it's still dark, the sun ain't shining again, it's another hour, nothing's taking place, it's still dark. I've had moments in the literal memes whenever one of our children has been sick or perhaps I have been sick myself whenever you wondered if the night was ever going to end. Uh, sick child or sick yourself and you're seeing every second tick by wondering if it's ever going to end because darkness just has a means that, that it amplifies the dilemma. It, it fuels the misfortune that may be going on in the night or maybe in the darkness of your night of whatever experience that you may be facing in your life. It seems like sometimes, you know, time stands still when things are bad. Time stands still when things are bad. When things are going good, man, it's like, man, it just goes by. But whenever things are bad, time stands still. You are frozen in time. The intensity, even of the moment, just gets worse and worse, and it increases, and, and, and it just remains dark. And you find yourself, you know, this morning, perhaps even in a night season in your life, and you feel like Job has. God, I've just flayed my arms back and forth on my bed. I, I've tossed two, and I've tossed fro. I'm waiting for day but the problem doesn't go away the circumstance doesn't ease the pain doesn't let up I'm still dealing with all of this and every time I open my eyes God it's still dark I crack my eyelid to the left and it's still dark I'm hoping for day but it's still dark and I got my hopes up God I've got my hopes up so many times for change thinking it was going to change thinking it was going to get better but I've come to realize you know what there's not good coming it just seems like more darkness. Whenever we were doing our John series, I alluded to this, and this is really where this was birthed a long time ago, because there in John 6, Jesus sent his disciples on a boat to go, if you'll remember, to the other side, and Jesus stayed, amen, to send the multitudes away, and then he resorted to a private place, a private time of prayer into the night hour to pray, and this story is of Jesus, of course, when he comes to his disciples as they are in the boat, and he walks on the water and all the gospel accounts tell us that the disciples was about midway or a good distance in their journey from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But the Bible says that they're going to be tossed by a contrary wind and they are going to become very much so afraid. But Jesus is going to walk out there on the water and meet them in the midst of their storm, in the midst of their calamity. Amen. But this struggle happened. This struggle happened while they were on a journey. Amen. To somewhere else, to somewhere new. But more importantly, for our 
purposes this morning. This struggle happened during the evening hour. You may remember this from several weeks ago in our series on John. The way that John relays it in the King James Version Bible of John 6, 17 is like this. Now it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And if you'll recall when I first read that, I read it in the New King James Version which says it like this. And it was already dark and Jesus was not come to them. And what was so mind-boggling about this is this, is that there wasn't a contrary wind at that moment. There was no storm yet at that moment. But the record just plainly tells us as a footnote that in spite of no storm being there yet, no great wind being there yet, it was already dark. But Jesus was nowhere to be found. And he urged them on the boat. And he directed them on their journey. And now it's already dark and he is absent. I cannot tell you the times that nothing horrendous was happening yet but I did realize darkness was already coming and I didn't see Jesus anywhere to be found I felt hopeless and by myself and without answers and had more problems than I had solutions I can't count the times that I had no perception of where Jesus was in my trial, where Jesus was in my night season, where Jesus was in my darkness. It's already dark, God. What are you waiting for? Why haven't you already come? It's already dark in my life. It's already dark in my circumstance. You understand? But it's like, God, if you're waiting for it to get bad, it's bad. It's kind of like, if you're waiting for the daughter to die, you know, some of those whose daughters would have the point of it. If you're waiting for her to die, she's dead. It's already dark. I'm looking for day. But like Job, there came darkness. I looked for light, but there came darkness. Job's, there came darkness. And John's, it was already dark. It's probably how Mary and Martha felt whenever their brother was sick and rather than going at the moment when he turned sick, Jesus waits a few more days and then gets there and he's dead. Lord, darkness came. It was already dark. There, Job's there came darkness and John's. It was already dark. It was again probably like the 12-year-old girl who was sick at the point of death and he pauses to take care of a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years only to arrive then at Jairus' house and now the girl is dead. There's darkness that came. It's kind of like when you get to the climax of a story. Stories are set up very purposefully. Movie stories, all of them. You start out with, you know, some type of plot of developing the characters and there's a rising action and then there's a climax where the greatest tension takes place and there's a change, an alteration. There's a falling action that starts to resolve some of the things from all the problems and then there's some grand conclusion that kind of ties everything at. And so it's at that climax, whether it's in the middle, the beginning, wherever it is, it's at that climax of greatest tension that you're like, yeah, things are changing right here. This, this is where the leaf's going to turn over. This, this is where the, the boy's going to get the girl. This is where the problem's going to, all the resolution is going to take place. It's like getting to the climax of the story, knowing things that are going to change, but instead they stay the same. What? Darkness comes. I wish I could tell you this morning that that doesn't happen. But you're made of the same clay I am. Wish I could tell you this morning that that doesn't happen. I wish I could tell you that you'll never have to worry about a prolonged night. 
You'll never have to worry about a long night season. I wish I could prophesy to you this morning a cloudless day and just a brief pause in the night season. But I can't tell you that you'll never lose a loved one. I can't tell you you'll never grow frail through sickness and disease. I can't tell you you'll never be mistreated by people that said that they love you. I just can't. I wish I could this morning. I wish I could give you that confidence, but I just cannot tell you. For that matter, the wisdom of Solomon described and oftentimes accoladed with the, 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 the wisest man of all scripture in the world. The wisdom of Solomon found in Ecclesiastes seems to tell us quite the opposite of what I wish I could tell you. He had pondered all things he had sought the answers to deep questions and a philosophy such things as the human existence and the meaning of life and Solomon gives us this in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 8 he says but if a man live many years and rejoice in them all yet let him remember the days of darkness for they shall be many all that cometh is vanity. Oh, Solomon, wait a minute, oh wise one. We don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear this, Solomon. Man, jeers being many, rejoice in them all, and yet don't forget that a lot of those many days are going to be days of darkness. I don't, I don't want to hear this, Solomon. Don't, don't tell me that my days of darkness are going to be many. Tell me they're going to be abbreviated. Tell me that the light's going to pierce in and it's going to be more daytime than it is dark. Don't, don't relate to me that the many years, the many years of our life are equally going to be marked by many years of darkness. And yet Job said, yet man is born unto trouble, the scripture says, as the sparks fly upward. You know what he said? when he's talking about sparks flying upward whenever you're doing anything that creates sparks what do they do customarily that is just the nature of a spark it flies upward he said just as natural as it is for a spark to fly upward you're going to have trouble in your life you're going to have trouble in your days just as natural as that is man's going to have many dark days the Apostle Paul is a man throughout New Testament Scripture is one that can testify to some dark days that happened in his life. The Bible says in particularly toward the closing of the book of Acts in Acts 27 and 28 that he was on a ship that was headed to Rome. Amen. Even more importantly, while he's headed to Rome on that ship, going to Rome was God's will for Paul's life. Though he was in shackles, though he was in chains, though he was a prisoner up on the ship it was God's will for Paul to go to Rome and so he's on the ship as a prisoner the Bible says you can read this in Acts 27 the Bible says that it had gotten so dark that the sun and the stars had not appeared for many days dark season night season no sun, no stars for many days. The Bible even tells us in Acts 27, 27, this is the New King James Version, but it reads pretty well the same in the King James. The Bible says, now when the 14th night had come. 14th night. It goes on to say at about midnight. 
You come to verse 29 and we hear what their response is after not seeing the sun and the stars for many days. It's the 14th night. It's around midnight. The Bible says, and they prayed for day to come. Have you ever been in a time when it was so bad you just prayed for it to go away? Prayed for it to be over. Prayed for the hand of heaviness that seemed to be upon you in the circumstance to lift even just a little, God, just a little momentary reprieve would be nice. Praying for day to come. I believe this morning as I was a Friday putting this together in my spirit, I felt in my spirit that some would be here this morning. Amen. That would be in such a circumstance that they have been praying for the light of day, praying for an altering of a circumstance, praying for something to change. You've not seen the light of day for some time. You've ordered your life doing the will of God, though, just like Paul. You're on that ship because you did the will of God. You've ordered your life doing the will of God, and you found yourself bound as a prisoner in darkness. You've attempted to endure it. You've attempted just to lump it. You've tried to tolerate it. You've even endeavored to reason away. Amen. Why is even coming all upon you? But all of that has left you hopeless and exhausted and exasperated and you feel weak in your spirit this morning because you're in a holding pattern of just praying for day praying for a change praying for the light praying for the good oh yes hallelujah Woo, someone say amen the psalmist said in Psalms 143 and 3 he said for the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. There's something that we must understand this morning. That the enemy can send you into darkness and yet God can send you into darkness. And the purpose of each is vastly different from one another. The enemy can send you into darkness. But if he does it, it is for your demise. If he does it, it's for your destruction. But if God sends you into darkness, he does it for our education. The Bible says in Matthew 10 and verse 27, again, this is New King James, but the King James doesn't differ really much from it. The Lord says, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. In other words, the Lord is speaking in the darkness. The Lord is speaking in the dark. So we got to ask ourselves, what is God saying right now? Now watch it. In Luke 12 and verse 3, another of the Gospels. Notice the difference here. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. We got two scenarios here. One that's underscoring the fact that the Lord speaks in the dark. But another one that's underscoring the fact that we sometimes are speaking things. During our dark times as well. Let's just get real practical here this morning. It's hard to both speak and listen at the same time. 
It's hard to talk and really hear what Brother Terry's saying to me, although he's talking to me. So if God's trying to speak in the dark, but you're saying a lot of stuff during the dark too. I don't want to miss what he's trying to say. It's hard to listen while we are talking ourselves. But he told them, what I tell you in the dark, he says, speak in the light. But likewise, whatever you say in the dark is going to be known in the daytime as well. The results are quite different. So whenever it's all said and done and the light shines again, listen to Pastor very well. People are either going to hear what God told you in the dark or they're going to hear what you were saying in your dark moment. And I'm asking us today, what are we saying while we're in the dark? Is that what we want heard in the light or would we rather hear what God has to say in the dark so we can proclaim it when the light, oh God. Oh yes. Sometimes we talk to ourselves in the dark moments. Oh, God, help us. The tongue gets loose. You thought there was liquor in our body because we start. Huh? But I got to understand from Scripture that he says, I'll speak. Someone say, I'll speak. He says, I'll speak to you in the dark. So with this understanding that God speaks in the dark, and many times it's a, it's a word that educates us and instructs us and guides us. I want to turn your attention to Genesis chapter number 15. In Genesis chapter number 15, God is renewing a covenant with Abraham. He's talking to Abraham once again. He did this on multiple occasions, but he's talking to Abraham once again about his descendants and about them being many and about there's going to be a lot of people that would flow from his seed. And he talks to Abraham about, now watch this. He talks to Abraham about your descendants are going to be as the stars of the sky. We know that's a common phrase that the Lord used to Abraham and also the sand of the sea. We know those are common phrases. But he told Abraham, he said, your descendants are going to be as the stars of the sky. But here's where I want to point something out to you he literally told Abraham in this moment he said look toward the heaven and number them if you are able you don't typically see stars when it's daylight bishop it must have been night for God to speak to Abraham and say, look up there in your night season. Look up there in the darkness right there and number the stars if you may. He says, may I tell you, Abraham, he said that your descendants will be as the stars of the sky. It was dark. It must have been night. Now notice, next comes the day, evidently. Abraham is still wanting to know how he would inherit the land of God the promised land, the land of Canaan. He was still inquisitive about all of that. God had spoken of this to him, but he still wasn't quite sure how would all this work out? How would this happen? And so the Lord was going to instruct and give guidance to Abraham about entering into a covenant with God. He was going to tell him what must be done, the process he must go through to enter into a covenant with God. And so this is what the Bible says. 
The Lord told him what animals to get, how old the animals should be, that they must be divided. You can read it on Genesis chapter 15, that they're going to divide the animals because it's going to be a two-party type of covenant. It's going to be between man and God. That's the reason why they were divided. The birds weren't divided, but there were two birds, so there's the division in itself. And so there was going to be this, this covenant that's made between God and Abraham. Now look, the reason why I say he had night and seen the stars and it become day again is because Genesis 15, 15 and verse 12 says this. So Abraham has prepared all the, these three-year-old sacrifices and split them down the middle and laid them all out. And the Bible says in verse 12, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And if you look at verse number 13, the very next verse. Now look, sun's going down. Gross darkness has fallen upon him. Look at the first phrase of the very next verse. Verse 13 of Genesis 15. And he, speaking of God, and God said. He didn't do it while he was preparing the sacrifices and it was still day. He waited till gross darkness came upon Abraham. And God began to speak to Abraham. God talked to Abraham during this great darkness moment again about his seed. He talked to Abraham. He talks to him quite, quite lengthy here. He talks to him about the afflictions that his people were going to go through. He talked to him about how they would, years and years in the future, be delivered from the hands of the Egyptians and that they would have, when they were delivered from the hands of the, of the Egyptians, they would come out having a great abundance and great substance. God was telling Abraham some things in the dark that Abraham would later testify of in the light. Watch it now. Verse number 17 of Genesis 15. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that pass between those pieces. Watch this now. They, God was giving him the instruction for a covenant. There was one, a covenant requires two parties. One side of the party has to keep a portion of the covenant and go through a certain ritual of the covenant. The other side of the party has to keep certain portions of the covenant and go through the certain ritual of the covenant. Abraham had kept his part by preparing the animals and dividing them and getting them. But God still had to go through his ritualistic part of the covenant. And God waited to do that. God waited to do that when it was dark, it was then that Abram sees that burning lamp, which was a symbol of the Lord, passing and walking through the divided pieces of the animal. Amen. What that was then, this whole thing was nothing but being indicative that there was a covenant that was made between two parties. It was made between Abraham and it was made between God. Abraham had set it all up during the day, but God chose to wait until it was dark, until darkness came to seal his side of the covenant with Abraham by walking between the divided pieces of the burning lamp. Folks, there's something about that this morning that screams to me that God waited to do it when it was dark because I'm going to
to seal my covenant with you, Abraham, and your seed and your people whenever there's gross darkness upon the land so that you may recall in those many days of your life when there is darkness that God made a covenant with me when it was dark. So what do I have to fear right now? What do I have to tremble about right now in this darkness? God made his covenant with me when it was dark. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Don't you think for a moment that every time night would fall and the stars would come out that Abraham wasn't thinking about his descendants that would be many, that would be as the stars that he could not even, amen, count. He would be reminded of the promise and the surety of God and when his seed would fall into affliction, when his descendants would be overtaken and they would suffer years of bondage and cruelty and hard taskmasters don't you know that whenever they would reference that season as a night season they would remember how father Abraham years ago oral tradition from old tradition that God made a promise with him about a land for them and it happened in a dark night don't you know oh someone say amen can I tell you this morning that not only was the old covenant sealed that way, but the new covenant was sealed that way as well. There's, drip, there's blood there dripping off his back. Not only are his hands and his feet pierced, but all around the circumference of his head is piercings. His face has been spat upon. He's been beaten with rods. He has been mocked. He has been railed on and ridiculed. And just when Jesus thought matters couldn't get worse, darkness came. Blood streaming. Difficulty breathing, pushing himself up on the nail to get breath within his lungs and allowing his diaphragm to, diaphragm to move. And when you thought matters couldn't get worse, Lord, when you looked for light, Jesus, darkness came. When you looked for good, darkness came. The Bible says in all the Gospels that from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness that covered the land. And here is Jesus on the cross. Darkness covered the land. He's feeling, my God, my God, why hast thou first, you know when that was said? When darkness. Wasn't when the first nail was put in or when the crown, but it's when all of that had happened and then when you thought maybe there'd be a little relief, darkness came that he said, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? God, darkness, six hours in darkness, really? That's, that's, that's the capstone to all this suffering? That, that's the capstone? 
out all of this ill and all this heartache? More darkness? That, that, that's the capstone to all of this? And yet the Bible describes to us in the Gospels, in those final moments of gross darkness, it's in that darkness that Jesus gave up the ghost. And he spoke these three words we take for granted sometime. He said, it is finished. What was that? God sealing a new covenant. God sealing a new covenant with humanity. But he waited to seal it till it was dark. He could have said that before the sixth hour ever come. He could have said that not long. He could have gave up the ghost after he was strung up and held wide there upon the cross shortly. But, but no, he waited till the darkness was there. And he says, it is finished. He's sealing his new covenant. Not wrought during the day, but wrought in the darkness. And those, those, those words, hallelujah, they did not pierce the daylight, but that gross darkness that he was in, perhaps once again to always remind us as humanity, those for whom he was hanging on that cross for, that in our dark days ahead, that a covenant was forged in darkness. A covenant was initiated in darkness for our benefit, for your benefit. Can I tell you, we are, we are beneficiaries, folks, of a covenant that was crafted in darkness. The prophet Ezekiel says this. It's interesting. He talks about, he talks about shepherds. He talks about natural shepherds, some of the natural tendencies of a natural shepherd. You can read of it in Ezekiel 34 and 12. But Ezekiel says this, that a natural shepherd will seek out his scattered flock in the day. That's what Ezekiel says. But he contrasts that with the way in which the Lord works. He said, and the Lord, he delivers his scattered people as well. But unlike a natural shepherd, he doesn't do it during the day. He does it in the dark. He does it in the dark part of the day. He did it and he does it still in the the dark. Here's what we must realize. From sixth hour to ninth hour on the cross, there was darkness. The way that the gospels arrange it, that the Lord speaking, it is finished, culminating or intersecting with that ninth hour of darkness, that whenever that New Testament covenant was sealed, darkness did not prevail beyond the ninth hour. You got to understand that. It says from six to nine. Darkness did not prevail beyond that ninth hour. In other words, darkness did not triumph until the tenth hour or a minute past the ninth hour. But at the ninth hour, light was restored. Darkness ended at the ninth hour. Even for Job, folks, that we started with this, this morning, if you read through to the last chapters of Job, we read this phrase that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. What's that saying? It's saying somewhere along the way, darkness ended. 
Somewhere along the way, when he sought light, he found light. And when he sought good, he found good. Darkness ended. In other words, there came darkness. Yes, Job will testify that all day long when it's testimony service. Then came darkness. But somewhere along the way, he will also say, then again, there came light. We got snow on the ground this morning. As it's been so far, you know, we get snow the next day, it's gone. But still winter, right? And the day, for the most part, still was filled with quite a bit of darkness. I hear people, they, they hate to see winter come. They particularly hate to see the daylight savings time spot on the calendar to come because the days get shorter and shorter and it stays dark longer and longer and the nights, you know, you're coming home from work and it's already dark, right? It's dark. And then, then you know, you wait and, you know, it'll come light sooner or later in the morning, but it's such a long night because it's dark outside. But once we reach that magical little day in December, toward the end of December, called the winter solstice, we begin to gain light. As a matter of fact, they say that in the month of January that we gain each day from about 90 seconds to two minutes of light each day in the month of January. Whenever we pass on over into the month of February, they say we gain about two or two and a half minutes of light each day. But here's the magnificent thing or, or peculiar thing about that, Sister Rondi, is this. It's almost unnoticeable. It still seems like night is long. It don't seem like we're gaining light. But nonetheless, we are to encourage someone this morning that there came darkness it may be unnoticeable and imperceptible to you that you're gaining any light but I'm here to tell you this morning nonetheless nonetheless you're gaining some light and so what we are commissioned to do from God's word from what I've read and learned and studied amen this week is this is that we got to leave here this morning knowing this that yes we don't have to have a, be an ostrich with our head in the sand. Yes, there are still many dark days ahead of us. And you're like, well, Brother McGee, I'm, I've been kind of keeping tally on my agabus over here and sliding the little beads over. And I feel like I've met my quota. I hate to tell you, there are still many dark days that are ahead of us. But we must know that that darkness is going to come. It will enter our life just as sure as anything else that we are sure of that will happen in our lives. But even when we long for the light, all right, oftentimes we will be burdened. Guess what? With more darkness. I know that's so encouraging, encouraging to you. But it's going to get worse. It's going to get darker. It's going to be more. Your expectations will be disappointed often. However, we must leave here. And then, those dark times, we must train ourselves to listen for the voice of the Lord that he said he would speak in the dark. And what we hear in those dark moments, we must, when the light does come, to declare it in the day. And ultimately, we must remember this, that both an Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenant, both were sealed during times of great darkness. Even, we might say, untimely darkness. If you'll stand with me this morning, this is what Samuel said.
in first or second Samuel, this is what Samuel said. And I believe him. It's not always easy to believe, but I believe him. I trust him, got confidence in him. He said, the Lord will lighten my darkness. That's what Samuel said. He said, the Lord's going to, he's going to lighten. He's going to So that must have meant, number one, he must have been experiencing darkness. He may have even experienced more darkness when he thought it was getting light. But he just had this quiet confidence in his spirit. The Lord will. You know what I believe that we can glean from that? That if it's ever going to be lightened, it will be because of the Lord. David said that the dark and the light are both alike to him. Because wherever he comes down and makes himself absolutely known, there is no darkness. The Bible says there's no darkness in him at all. Sometimes he's off in the distance speaking into it. There's other times that he walks into it. The Lord will lighten my darkness. Sometimes it'll be immediate and we're like, thank you, Jesus, for those moments. Yeah, but I, I'm sorry to tell you that there's probably going to be more other times that the light's going to come just by degrees, just by gaining 90 seconds here, two minutes there. Nonetheless, this morning, it will happen. If we bow our heads all across this place today, I feel like I stand among people today, families, I feel like I stand among people today that can testify with Job that, Brother McGee, we have sought for good and all we have found is evil. Brother McGee, we have longed and prayed for the light only to find that darkness came. I feel like I'm standing in among people today that know exactly what Job was talking about when he said those things, that understand how it feels like to almost desire death over what you were experiencing and the prolonging of it. Amen. Feeling the terror of night and calamity deepening upon your soul and upon your spirit. But once again, folks, listen, if we're there and it's because of God, then he's there to educate us. And we need to just silence our voice for a moment while we got the loose tongue in the darkness and we're shooting it this way and that way, maybe at people and even at God. Take a moment and listen. God, what are you saying in this dark moment? And not forget that he sealed covenants in darkness so that we might remember those covenants during our own dark days, our own dark times. Hallelujah. Can you raise your hands across this place this morning and reach out to God? Even if you're in your darkness, even if you've been tossing to and fro on your bed and you've been, you know, just your arms been cast in left to right. David said at one time that his bed was been made like a pool. He had wetted his bed so much with tears that it was wet. It was almost like a pool of water. There may be some here today that you have wetted your bed with tears so much so it's almost like a pool of water and your, your spirit and your soul's been overwhelmed within you. Darkness has just come. Darkness has just come. Please listen for the voice of the Lord. Listen for the voice of the Lord in your darkness. Amen. Remember the covenants that God have made and night seasons and darkness let that reassure you encourage you who knows if he's not given 90 seconds of daylight back to you today who knows if he's not given amen two minutes of daylight back to you today it's imperceptible sometimes but nonetheless it happens God as Samuel said you will lighten my darkness God you will lighten I gotta have the 
confidence and the reassurance in my God. Nothing around me is speaking anything differently. I can't perceive anything different than what's taken place concerning night season and darkness, but I have this confidence of God's word. He will lighten my darkness. Hallelujah. Perhaps somewhere along the way, I'll be able to look over my shoulder as Job and say that the latter end was better than the beginning of all of this. God, I love you. Can we talk to him right now? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.